Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. I'm excited to bring you today's interview with Annie Presley, co-author of a series of guided journals called the Read This series. She and her co-author Christy Howard started writing these books several years ago as a way to help people gather the information that their loved ones would need when they die. So not just the practical things like insurance policy numbers and where they have their bank accounts, but also their personal life stories, the stories about their own life. In other words, exactly the kinds of stories we as personal historians help our clients record. It's all done in a big, beautiful workbook. It was really interesting to hear how Annie and Christy market these books using live presentations, which is really one of the best ways that we can connect with clients or with the people that we hope can help us meet our target clients, because we can form an emotional connection when we're face-to-face in a live setting with them. So we talk about a lot of other things too, a whole bunch of it, stuff that we can modify and use in our own business model as personal historians. So without further ado, here's the interview with Annie Presley. Hello, friends. Today, we have a special guest, and I'm actually sitting in person with her here at Cowork Waldo. I do highly recommend any co-working office, just because I think we all need a dedicated place to to work from. So just to give a brief introduction, um, in 2014, Annie Presley and her co-author Christy Howard launched Ace Publishing and began publishing their Read This series of guided journals. The first, Read This When I'm Dead, was followed by Read This on Our Anniversary, Read This on Your Birthday, and the fourth, Read This About My House, is due out in September 2017. A serial entrepreneur, Annie sold the legal assistance company she founded to start and run a professional fundraising company. Throughout her career, she's dabbled in high-octane politics, including serving as a national deputy finance director at Bush for President in Austin, Texas, during the 2000 campaign and consulting in 2004, and her art and science of fundraising helped nonprofits and political candidates raise over $600 million. In 2011, Annie joined the global law firm Brian Cave to accelerate its public policy practice in the Midwest, and in 2014, Ace Publishing was born. So welcome, Annie. Thank you for joining us on the Life Story Coach podcast. Wow, I sound pretty crazy, don't I? It's it's an impressive resume, isn't it? (laughs) It's been fun. Yeah, so like I said, we're we're sitting here at Cowork, um, uh, Cowork Waldo, um, but Annie and I actually go back a little bit further than that. Um, I met her, I think she saw a newspaper article about my company, The Story Scribe, and she decided that I would be a good fit for her newsletter um, when she was just coming out with these journals. And so she put me on her newsletter list. Um, and subsequently, I got to meet Annie and Christy in real life. Um, I saw immediately an overlap in what they did with their guided journal Um, well, now with a series of guided journals, and what I do with my clients and what every personal historian does. Um, So the When I'm Dead journal addresses the business side of things, Um, so like which insurance policies you have, uh, where you keep your passwords. The idea, correct me if I'm wrong, Annie, but the idea is that the person fills this out, and then when they are gone, it's there for the family. It's a collection of 
all of the practical things that they're going to need. Um, but the part that I really like is the whole big first section, which is where the person can gather their stories. So it's personal data, but it's also stories about that person's life. Um, so even though the final product um, for what I do with my clients and for what you are helping your clients do looks different, there's definitely a, a similar end goal, right? It's that the, the clients capture their stories. What I'd like to do is start with, um, we can talk a little bit more specifically about the books, but can you tell everybody um, what made you interested in this? I, I know your backstory and I know Christy's backstory because I've heard you speak at a live event, but can you tell the listeners a little bit about what made you think about doing this kind of guided journal? Sure. So Christy and I were actually working together. We had real jobs at one point in time. And um, she was called away from work one afternoon to the hospital to tell her mother goodbye. It was um, expected that her mother would not live through the day. And um, she, Christy came back to work the next day, and her mother lived, and she still lives. So that was 13, 2013. Mm -hmm. So it was a very exciting moment when Christy arrived to share the good news. And um, she arrived at the office with this giant notebook with this big blue ribbon wrapped around it. And in it were all the documents and instructions that her mom had put together for Christy. And every time her mother has been quite ill with an illness for a long, long time, um, they have to up, update the notebook. Mm -hmm. So Christy was going through this notebook, and I was really very um, desperate for that information. My mom died when my brother and sister and I were little kids. And we didn't have anything from her, really. Nothing about her or from her or about our young lives with her. And um, Christy and her mom had done a really good job on the business side, but they hadn't done too much on the life side and the personal aspect of it. And that was the part I was really hungry for. And I had always thought about putting together some kind of workbook for people so that they wouldn't be left in the situation that my brother and sister and I were in. Well, and that's interesting that the two perspectives kind of met. So she, her mom thought that she was doing a good job, I'm sure, and I'm sure she was, by giving all of this practical information. But you knew from your own experience that what somebody really wants are those personal stories. We really wanted the personal stories. And as it turns out, the uh, business side of it is, is very important as well. We never found Mother's savings account. We never found her life insurance. And it was just because there was no ready record of it. And it was 1971. It's been quite some time. But the, the point is, is that Christy had some of it, and I wanted more of it. And so we came together to write this book. And it is quite comprehensive, I must say. It's incredible. I mean, I've, um, we have the books right here in front of us, and there's, you know, not only, and, and I happen to know, too, just because I've lost both of my parents within the past year and a couple of months, um, and um, they weren't great at, at getting all of the information together that we were going to need. Um, but also, I mean, I, like you have a whole section on pets right. and pet planning. Um, and that is something, you know, I've seen other workbooks that ask for the stories, but nothing like this where it's all in in one volume, you know, pretty much anything and everything that you would want to know 
from the person who is recently deceased. And I think it's interesting, I think, is it at the very back that you have, you know, basically like, this is what you do immediately. So right. if you find out that somebody passes away, right there, those are the those are the first steps that you take. So that's our handy checklist. The book, despite the fact that the subject matter is very difficult, the book is very fun. It's quite lighthearted. And um, it, it's really an adventure. It's a, it's a journey for people to take. But that checklist is very practical, and you can go to the back. Christy's dad died a couple of years ago, and she was in the fog, as, as it does happen, and she went directly to the checklist and just started through it and, and knocked out all the tasks that have to happen when someone passes away. So it's, it's, that's really helpful. You know, getting back to what you were just saying about the, the, the tone of it, I mean, obviously, read this when I'm dead. You know, right. it's, it's irreverent. And do you think that that, um, do you think taking that, um, that irreverent approach makes the conversations easier? It does. And there are so many people who say, oh, I'd really like to give this to my parents, but I just, I feel so uncomfortable about it. And I say, okay, here's what you do. Tell them you met these crazy gals and they wrote this crazy book and you were starting to fill it out and you were thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know any of this about my parents and hand them the book. And it's worked beautifully and people totally get into it. We've been all over the country talking about this book, selling this book, and um, we've met more people who find relief as a result of having this in a single source location. And you can start at the back, you can start at the front. It doesn't matter, but you just need to just start writing it down. So when you say people that people feel relief, is it the 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 I'm assuming it's usually elderly people that it's for or not? Not necessarily. Oh. We we targeted baby boomer women mm -hmm. as a result of their caring for their aging parents. They have their own stuff. They have kids. Some of us are grandparents now. And all, all these tasks are at hand. In your case, you've already buried your parents. Um, some people haven't. Mm -hmm. And so we just wanted to give them a handy way to start capturing all this information. And people think about doing this, but they can't see their way to it mm -hmm. because it seems so complicated. And ours is simply step by step. It's just page by page, and you just knock it out. And you have plenty of room. I mean, that the the design is beautiful, and I oh, actually want to come back to that later. But it's nice because it is all in one book. I mean, you're writing on the pages, and it's very well done. It's well designed. You can tell it's going to hold together. It's not flimsy, and it's it's fairly thick too. Um, but so, just getting back to that that whole conversation, what I have found with doing personal history, so. Very often when um, it's the adult children who will hire the personal historian because they, they get to, you know, a certain age, usually like in their 50s, you know, maybe their responsibilities have lessened somewhat with their own children and they see their parents getting a little bit older and they realize we need to collect the stories now, right, while right. we still can. Um, and so often... Uh, the adult children are afraid to have those really difficult conversations with their parents about um, just simple things like, what do you believe? Do you believe in the afterlife? What are your thoughts about dying? So you you and Christy have gone about it with both the practical um, things in mind and with those deeper personal stories in mind. And what I have found, you know, you're, you're talking about relief. What I have found is that 
when I get to the part in the series of interviews that I do for people, you know, when I'm creating a book for them, when we do get to that part where we talk about death and, you know, if you're elderly, you know it's coming. We right. all know it's coming, right? It's inevitable. And people usually feel great relief that somebody is asking them, hey, what do you think about this? What are your feelings about this? It's almost never fear. Um, you know, maybe for younger people it would be, but it's almost never fear. Um, but it's they have things to say about it, but their own children don't want to hear. And they, I think, feel... Um, some responsibility, you know, they are maybe not responsibility, but they they feel like they don't want to hurt their children by talking about their own death, which, you know, could come anytime, you know, maybe years in the future or maybe not so long in the future. People's life experiences drive this attitude toward death and dying almost exclusively. So people our age, if we lose a friend, then all of a sudden... We, need, we realize we need to get it together. Or if somebody loses a parent, we start thinking about our parents and we, needed to get, we need to get it together. So it kind of just depends on what's going on in everybody's life. But we've tried to make it really approachable and fun so that it's more like an adventure and you get to tell your life story and then you get to tell about all your stuff and what you want to happen to your stuff and then you tell about your funeral wishes. And we give lots of resources and really search terms so that you can go and find really interesting information on the internet that's up to date about, for example, if you want to be cremated, you can have your cremains packed into fireworks and shot off at your celebration of life, which is part of my plan. <laughs> I love um, that. <laughs> the, the new trend right now is um, green these green cemeteries where you're just wrapped in a shroud and you're not embalmed and you're buried in a pile of dirt. Oh, wow. And families, no coffin either. Or no, no coffin. Casket, yeah. Yeah, nothing. And you can just be piled up as a family in a crypt. It's very, very curious. It's happening all over the country. I'm doing a, a web a seminar with the Kansas City Public Library in October about a selfie obit. Everybody's writing their own mm -hmm. obituary now, so they'll be remembered the way they want to be remembered as opposed to the way people think they should be remembered. And Christy and I talk about all this kind of stuff when we do our presentations, and we make it pretty funny um, because we've heard so many stories from different people that are just hysterical. And these are stories that people are seeing your book, and so then they're approaching you with their own personal stories about their experiences with this. When the audience really gets into it, they just wave their arms like second graders. Oh, 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 oh. And they start telling some hilarious story. And, and everybody sort of gets into it. We were in um, Tulsa at a really lovely uh, graduated living place. And these little widows, all in their 80s and 90s, and they said, our kids have just been pestering us to get this done. And you know what? We're just going to sit every Monday night in the bistro and drink wine and fill our books out. <laughs> and they were so excited and they were so happy to just be able to do it together and, and have the solution and hand it to their kids and say, there, now it's done. Right. You know, they were just so tickled with it. So... The one thing that we also know is that America as a culture is horrible about talking on this topic. Mm -hmm. People avoid it. 
completely. It makes sense. I mean, we're obsessed with the youth culture, which I've never quite understood because that advertisers go for the segment of population that probably has the least amount of money to spend on things. But but then there's, you know, that has other effects like the fact that we don't want to talk about aging or about dying. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, really. And so it, it's beginning to change slightly. And, and part of it is because there's so much money, wealth being transferred. $30 trillion is going to move to the baby boomers from their parents. So a lot of them are starting to pay attention. Only about 42% of those Americans actually have wills or trusts. Mm. So there's a lot of um, disrespect for the law, basically. What, in what way? Well, I mean, if, if you don't have a will or a trust... The, the law is that it goes to the government. Mm-hmm. And, there, I mean, your kids, it, it, it goes through probate. Right. And it's a horrible way to try to care for your kids. Yes. And so there, there is a lot of enthusiasm for managing this $30 trillion that's moving right. from one generation to the next. Right. So we're seeing, we're seeing a little bit of um, activity in that regard. But as a general rule, Americans don't like to talk about death and dying. So right. we are trying to take the edge off of it. And we're seeing, a, we're seeing these trends yeah. where people are starting to talk about it. Well, and I've given presentations um, to wealth management groups, so lawyers that are drafting all of the legal documents and the tax documents um, to help the families, you know, that have built great wealth, and there's, you, I'm sure you're familiar with the term, the shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves. So within three generations, so the, the first generation, the matriarch or the patriarch, they start the a family business, they earn the wealth, the children then see how hard their parents are working. So even though they don't have to work as hard because the wealth is there, they've seen all of the sacrifices that their parents have made. The grandchildren they reap the benefits of the wealth, but they don't see all of the work that went into it. And they say that now 70% of estate planning basically ends in failure by that third generation because the third generation, um, the, the, the wealth just, it's, it, it ends up disappearing. And so you figure if you are a wealth manager, like who wants to work with those odds? You know, you're, you're feeling like you're, what you're doing um, you're earning a living while you're doing it, but if you th- if you know statistically that what you're doing has a seventy percent chance of failure, um, so they're they're looking for other ways for families to have conversations, mm-hmm. you know, at these family meetings and otherwise have conversations so that they can actually pass on the valuables or the uh, the intangibles, so that their value systems, things about like their value systems, um, all of the stories that, that talk about all of the hard work that went into creating the lifestyle that the younger generations are then enjoying. I just read a Princeton uh, study that said that the baby boomers have far less enthusiasm for giving money to their children. In fact, they feel like they've invested so much in them, particularly in education, mm-hmm. that they probably are going to try to spend the money on themselves. Uh. <laughs> so by the time you're 60 right. and your kids are ideally gone, 
then you get to start really spending it on yourself. And there are people quoted in this study saying, I'm going to spend every last dime before I go Well, out. it'll keep the siblings from fighting about it, the children from fighting about it. So well, it's is interesting, that isn't it? Yes, it is. When they're waiting for their $30 trillion and they intend to spend it. That's right. cute. That's really cute. <laughs> So well, all kinds of stuff is going on. Right, right. And and like you said, this the kinds of books that you're doing, that gets the discussion, that gets the 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 communication open, um, which I think is wonderful. I mean that's what we're what you and I are both trying to do, right? In in right. our own separate ways. So let's talk just a little bit about the guided journal, which is yes. an unusual concept. And what we've found is we're actually the only only um trademarked guided journal out there in a series. Mm-hmm. Um, so a journal is just a book that has lines in it, and you just write off the top of your head or from your heart about whatever's going on in your life. Ours are very specific questions that we leave lines blank for you to answer. And um, we we have found that when we tell people that we write books, they think they're novels, but they're not. <laughs> they're books with a lot of blank lines in them. Right. And it's one of the reasons why they're big. I mean, Dead is three hundred and fifteen pages, mm-hmm. and it's just a, that's a lot of lot of uh, writing. But it's very succinct and very crisp, and in in very logical, practical order. So we start with your life story, your life history. Your favorite recipes, the secret blicky juice that your aunt passed down that no one knows the ingredients, you know, whatever it is. And then we do have that wonderful chapter on the, the poop on your pets. And that's driven almost entirely by the fact that when mother died, we didn't know where our dog went to the vet. Oh, boy. And wow. we just didn't know. Right. And just going back to that irreverent tone, poop on your pets. I poop love on that. Your pets. <laughs> right. Well, that's what it is. We also have a great friend in uh, Mission Hills, Kansas, who has a pet cemetery in his backyard, mm-hmm. tombstones and the whole deal, seven dogs. Uh-huh. Wow. Right. So wow. there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. And so then we sort of transition into the stuff. And the stuff can include the silver, the china, the guns, the collectibles, any of that stuff, in addition to the paperwork, the insurance, the re- tax returns. the And something that I like about the stuff section is, um, you know, people, personal historians... Um, there's a there's a little niche or an offshoot that sometimes people do, a smaller projects, where instead of talking directly about people's life stories, so getting in the actual memoir, they will do books on, about the possessions. So it's almost like a hybrid where you can do a, um, it would be heavier on the photos, but very, very long captions or even pages that describe the story of some things. And you all have that in your book, you know, where you talk about, you know, um, who did you receive these possessions from? You know, your art and your collectibles um, and anything of, 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 you know, that's meaningful to the person. And I really like that. The backstory. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's really great. So yeah. I have a granddaddy who died when he was pretty young, and he did make furniture in his garage. And I remember going out there as a child, and it was like Santa's workshop. You know, it was just magical. And out would come these awesome pieces of furniture, including this lovely, tiny little... Um, uh, rocking chair that I have my teddy bears in. It's so you still have it. Of course I still have it. Right. And it's such a wonderful memory for me. And I'm trying to figure out who might want that in my life. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the challenge of filling a book out like this is that you have to really think about those stories and relive all that memory and then think about who's in your life now who might appreciate a little rocker that right. granddaddy made. Right. 
but it's a it's a really sweet special time to go and and do that. And people have lots of cool stuff, and um, they need not just be left to be fought over. Right. Well, talk a little bit about the other books in the series and how the series ties together in general. So what we really want to do with the series is capture life's treasures. We want people to tell their story and then leave it so that others can read it. So after we finished Dead and we found a market for it, we thought, okay, well, we'll try another one. And the next one is called Read This on Our Anniversary. And it's really about how you met your mate and um, kind of your falling in love, your romance, your uh, engagement, your ceremony, your honeymoon. And then every year you pulled off the shelf and tell how you celebrated your anniversary. And there are questions in there that cause you to think about what's working and what's not working. And um, things that you want to tackle together, a bucket list and that sort of thing. Family um, history and family mission statements are a big deal right now. So we have an updated opportunity every five years, I think, to update your mission statement for your, your family. And that was one of the things that I really liked about that. It's... Um, a slightly different from Read This When I'm Dead. Read This When I'm Dead is um, definitely, you know, it, it's full of places to put practical information and for looking back. And the, the, the anniversary book, it's, there's some goal setting in there. There's some actually, let's look backward, but also let's look forward. And, you know, it, the whole guided journal, the guided part takes on a, a different meaning, um, a whole new aspect, I think, with that. And then what about the birthday book? And then birthday, we it's been out, oh, six or seven months, and it is actually for an adult to fill out for a child. So our first grandchild arrived recently, and you basically start with how you met that child. So we, we met him a week after he was born, and we traveled to see him, and so we started filling out the book. And then every year on his birthday, we will fill out any accomplishment he's made that year. And if he'd like to draw in the book or sign his name over the years, he can participate with us in filling out the book. Certainly if there's a party, you can say that, who his buddies were, his favorite foods, what he wants to be when he grows up, all that sort of thing you can capture year in, year out. It grows with him, and on his 21st birthday, we will give it to him oh, as his gift. Right. And then he'll have a history of it. Again, I have, no, I have no recollection whatsoever of a birthday party that my mother may or may not have scheduled for my brother, my sister, or myself. Mm-hmm. And so there's just this hunger in me for that kind of information. Right. And it, it, the, none of these are particularly difficult, but you have to be able to find them. So... Um, For instance, the read this on my birthday, that could be something filled out by grandparents or by the parents. Parents, godmothers, neighbors, any special kid in your life. It doesn't have to be um, a direct line. And, you know, I think it's interesting that, so you all started your own imprint. You're you're publishing these books yourselves. Yes, Ace Publishing would be Annie Christie Enterprises. Oh, excellent. Okay, I was wondering. (laughs) and how, you know, when you decided to do that. So that's a little bit different than somebody who is being hired, you know, a, a memoirist for hire. Right. Right. Um, so we are earning our money from somebody who, directly who we are writing their words, their stories for them. What you all have done is create something as a service for a general population. And what, what, who are you marketing these books to? And I'm sure it's probably different for all, all three and then eventually four. But start with the when um, read this when I'm dead. Are you marketing that 
to, you said the baby boomers, is that for them to fill out for themselves, for them to fill out for their parents, or is it just all of it overlapping? It's, there's a tremendous amount of overlap. Oftentimes the parents will say, oh, I'm going to get this for my kids, or the kids will say, I want to get this for my parents. And in some cases, somebody will get them for their whole family. So what we found market-wise, though, and it's a little unusual in the book business, is that we wanted to sell these books by the box. So we went to financial advisors and estate planning lawyers and private banks and nonprofits who have, who have uh, plan-giving donors and um, offered to make a presentation to their clients and prospective clients and, and sell them the books by the box, and then they give the books as a marketing tool to those clients and prospective clients. This has been an absolute wonderful example of how we came together with people who want to talk about this topic, mm -hmm. and we provide that opening in somewhat of an irreverent, happy, fun way, because we're really funny. When we do our talk. I know. I've, I've heard your talk. You yeah. are very funny. I mean, for, the, for the topic. Right. I mean, it's, and, and Christy's mom has been trying to die since Christy was a freshman in college. So she, she, And just to set the stage, Christy's, what, her 50 or 40s now? Yeah. So, yeah. so Wanda the Warrior has almost died uh, 12 times, and she's been to Mayo Clinic close to 80 times. Yeah, she, she is a pretty devastating disease and has overcome so many obstacles. So so my mom's dead. My Now my dad's dead. Now Christy's dad is dead. And now Christy's mom is still hanging on, basically. So we have a different look at death and dying than a lot of people because we've experienced it in so many different ways. Right. And so we just talk about it real upfront. You know, people die. They're, everybody's got an expiration date. You just don't know when it is, and you kind of need to get with it. Right. So that's sort of our message. And we really just wanted to change the world one book at a time. Mm -hmm. So we started with all these professionals who also are in the business of wanting this information and wanting the clients to fill out the paper. And lawyers want everybody to have a will so that their money doesn't go to the government. Right. Um, private bankers want to know where all your money is. Financial advisors want to help you make more money. Plan givers want you to give money to their charity. Well, and so if you approach um, these these groups of you know the wealth managers or the financial planners, what what's your spiel like? What what is your message to them? How are what kind of value are you bringing to them? We're just giving them a solution. We just say. Whoever we're talking to, there's a section in the book that's associated with the lawyers, the, the bankers, the insurance guys, the, the uh, nonprofit. And we just drive ourselves to those particular pages so that it, it's appropriate to the conversation that we're having for the client. And then we kind of do our regular talk about why we wrote the book. We flip through the book because everybody's got one on their lap. And um, and who these presentations are given to the people who ultimately will be filling out the books? Ideally, yes. So they are guests of these groups I've mentioned, and they are given a book upon arrival. And then the the uh, client just in, invites us to the stage or wherever, and we just start talking about how we came came to write this crazy book. Read this when I'm dead. And. They've already promoted it, invited these people, and they hand them this free book, and holy cow, it's just a riot. And a lot of times we get, you know, like we did with those gals in Tulsa, and they were so excited. 
we just get a lot of relief. Mm -hmm. You can just see the relief wave across the people's faces who know they need to do this, and they f finally feel like if they just use the book as their template, then they'll get it done. Right, right. And then where, what kind of venues are you going to? Are, are you going to um, the retirement homes to do this, or are you going to um, dinners that are hosted by the insurance people? We've done people breakfast, lunch, cocktails, dinners. We've done afternoon events. We've done all kinds of um, events with others. So financial advisors will have a lawyer in and have us in. We love doing the um, the kind of uh, graduated living for the folks who are addressing the twilight of their lives. Mm -hmm. They know they're making a decision about where they're going to live their final years. And so they're already in that mindset, and they love the book because it helps them sort out all the stuff that they know they've got to sort out. I can see how this would be very helpful for people who are go who are taking that step, you know, right. that, that whole downsizing, you know, from the family home to the next the next step in their life. Right. And that's always very um, trying, right? Because for one thing, usually physically, you have to really work hard to downsize. So like you're talking about how, you know, the possessions, your prized possessions that you, you know, you have to you have to divest yourself even before you die of quite a few of them if you're going to be downsizing. So this gets the gets people talking about it and thinking about it. And, and if you don't want to share the information, just write it in the book, put mm -hmm. it in your underwear drawers, tell everybody that's where it is. And when you're gone, somebody will go fish it out of your underwear drawer and all the secrets will be in there. Right. right. So we one thing that we did do in our series was um, because you get the book and you fill it out, you're the ultimate author. So we struggled with this. It took us a year to figure it out. And we finally realized that if we put little um, drawings of our faces throughout the book and put little captions in there, we could talk to you. So one of the things that we say in the book is, don't forget to say where you hid the cash. <laughs> and Christy's mom's notorious for hiding her emerald earrings in cereal boxes. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so let's say she dies one day. Lucky and, charms. <laughs> and, yeah, and the lucky charms go in the trash, right? I mean, nobody takes home open lucky charms. So there are all those kinds of little tidbits throughout Right. That we talk to you and kind of remind you. Yeah, you've you. got the little avatars, and that was a that was a great that was a great addition to the book. To, to, it took you forever to hit on the concept, well, or to actually write those little bit, bits. The bits were pretty easy. The concept was what what we got caught up on because we wanted to talk to you, but we but it couldn't be in our voice. Mm -hmm. Because then there would be three of us in there. There'd be the questions and then your answers and then somehow we'd be in it. So we finally figured out that we would sort of put ourselves in 3D, so to speak, so you could see us. And we're not on every page, but we are. We do pop up from time to time. And your personalities come through, definitely. Well, they're, they're very personal. Sides, yes. They are truly personal. And that's one thing about this book. It is authentic. Mm -hmm. It comes from our hearts. Yeah. And um, we really do believe that people need to do this. Right. They need to fill these out. So talk about um, the... the um, you, this was a collaboration right from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Talk about that process. What was your workflow like? Or you're still continuing writing these. So what is your workflow like? Do you each have separate responsibilities? Do you just pass off each of you write and pass it off to the other one? How, how does that work? 
We had no idea when we started what we were getting into. So this fourth book that is due out next month, we start, this is read this about my house. And this is every change, renovation, any maintenance that you do to your home. And the reason we chose this is because it's hard to keep track of all that stuff. And it's generally everybody's largest asset. So, and you also need this information when you go to sell your house or your heirs go to sell your house. So it's a handy place to keep all this information, right? So we decide we're going to go down this path. And, and people have given us a billion other ideas for titles. But we like this one the best. Read this about my house. And it starts with the provenance of your house. Who built it? Who was the developer? The architect? All the information about your house. And, you know, I've, I've bought houses that have had three or four different people who've lived in them. And they've made changes to it structural changes, all that kind of stuff. So you're trying to capture all this information. So we just started thinking about all the things that we've done to houses that we've had. And it just kind of fell into place. So we did sort of this provenance section or the, the, the beginning. And then there's this sort of interior section, which is quite different from the exterior of your house, which would include, include landscaping. And then we put in these um, worksheets where you can actually keep track of ongoing maintenance and how much money you've spent mm -hmm. and who did it and your favorite vendor and your not favorite vendor. And in the very end, we did another little kind of checklist where you can sort of anticipate and project out that your refrigerator is going to die. And it's going to cost handy, right. X amount of dollars to replace it and when that would likely happen so that you can actually think about being ready for replacement. So my husband and I bought a house recently and it, it really needed a roof. And we thought we probably had five years. So we started saving for it. Well, it, it had to be replaced in four, but we were close. And so that gave me pause because I'd never really had to replace anything that was that expensive. And um, that, so that's kind and of- then, And do these books, um, I know some people will hire a personal historian to actually do a little bit of what you're talking about, you know, the, the, the focus is more on the house because especially if you have a family home, if you've raised your kids in your family home, right. you know, there's a lot of memories tied up and that is a way, a, a way in to the story. Um, and so sometimes that's how these personal histories can be framed. Will this new book have places where people can write about, you know, family parties that happen there, traditions, Christmases, Hanukkahs? Famous people who uh, visited, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a really fun, happy book, but it also is very practical and it helps you. I can never remember when I'm supposed to change the filter mm -hmm. to the HVAC. I can just never remember. And so we built this worksheet where you can just run your finger down every month and if you just check the month that you're supposed to f replace oh, that's it. That's brilliant. That's worth, that's worth it right you there. Can, you can just keep adding stuff, and it doesn't matter what year it is. You just keep whatever month it is. You still, on Jan January 1st, you're going to just look at everything you've got to do in January. Right. And right. then February. And then March. It's so handy, and I've, I've never seen anything like it. So this is just, and it, it does have a lot of storytelling to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because people change their houses for a reason. And well, let's get a little bit back, or let's get back to collaboration again. Oh, right. So how <laughs> um, how do you divide up the things? Are are you in, in all of these books? You know, there's so many different parts to them, and they're mm -hmm. so thorough. Like the When I'm Dead, it's incredibly thorough. Like you said, do you keep a, a list? Are you constantly jotting things down? 
for, for ideas of things to include? And then how does that work with working with Christy? Well, sometimes we work side by side and we go through. So we are getting our final proof of house next week and we'll sit down and go through it side by side because we've each done our own proofs with our own suggested changes and then we'll go through and make decisions about whatever changes that each of us has recommended. We'll start from the beginning. How, um, if when you're starting one of these new guided journals, what does the workflow look like then or the division of work? Well, basically we just start with pieces of paper and, and create what looks like sort of a book in a notebook. And that's the two of you working together? In a binder, yeah. Yeah. And we just kind of build a structure, uh, chapters essentially, what we think should be included, and we kind of get those chapters in order. And then in the notebook, we just start putting ideas and things that we've seen and and what is Stuff the notebook? Imp- Does it is it physically like a binder where you can add a pages? binder? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then it becomes a book. Yeah, and we add all our lines and. Um, so you're not exactly you're not exactly starting off with a um, an outline, but you have the different chapters. So it's sort of like when people take a table of contents and that's their outline for their book. That's exactly what we. Yeah, do. you're getting the skeleton. And then we try to make it fun and interesting so that. It, there's never a dull page. There's just a page that maybe is more important than another to a person. Um, but we just try to make it interesting. And how long did it take for you all to get your um, the tone of these books, the, the writer's voice that comes through? Because it is very distinctive. The, we have been really lucky. We have used the same designer for our covers. Well, I'm. We'll get back to that. But I'm okay. talking more about the text. Actually, the the words on paper. It's um. It's not dry, like you said. It's yeah. fun. Um. It. You do have the avatars. You know. You have it where you're each. You know. The asides where you're each talking. But even the main body of text has a really good style. So how did you guys get to that point? I don't know. We added, and did it would seem just a little kind of boring. So we went back and we added in some really funny quotes. Um, oh, quotes that, are great, aren't that they? Made it, so at the beginning of every chapter, there's a really funny quote. Yes. And um, there's some really sweet things in anniversary, and there's some really cute, cute things in birthday. And in the house book, there's some really hilarious ones, too. So... It, that sort of helped us break up the chapters, and it also gave us a lightheartedness about whatever it is we were talking about, because all of these are serious topics. Right. Um, yeah, I'm just looking through the book right now, and so the the chapter starting on wills and important legal stuff, mm-hmm. right? I like how you put that word, important. Important <laughs> uh, legal stuff. Right, and uh, you open with the quote, where there's a will, I want to be in it. Right, it's a bumper sticker. <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, so things like that, do you, do you just jot them down when you see them yeah, and that goes into them, your binder we take pictures of them we send them to each other we we yeah we just we just like what we like and we are also both pretty goofy we're very goofy and we're goofier together so and we're also really strong women so if something's real if i think something's really stupid and i'll say i think that's pretty stupid and she'll say well i really like it and whatever will will come to some conclusion mm-hmm. but and, you're not afraid to you're not not afraid to have no. a little bit of conflict and, and duke it out. and Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. And, and we've also divided the tasks, kind of the business side of the, uh, the writing we do together. 
More or less, we do go. You physically sit down together and do the writing. Right. And then we edit oftentimes separately and then bring those changes together. But a lot of times, like when I was working on those spreadsheets, I was just determined to have these spreadsheets in this book. Um, and I kept getting, I, when I'd get stuck, I'd go over to her and say, well, what if, what if, what if? And she'd be like, no, wait, here it is. And she would see it. I'd be mm -hmm. so engrossed in it that I couldn't see it. And then she could see it. And so we've seen that a lot with each other where one guy will be just so balled up on it and the other guy was like, no, no, look right here. So we've had a lot of that. Right. And, then and that is so good. That's why, you know, I always recommend to people, like, if you, even if you are the, the sole writer of somebody, have another pair of eyes on something. Because right. there are things that are so obvious to somebody who's seeing it fresh or from a different perspective. And yeah, it must be great. You have a you have that built in because you have a partner, a writing partner. Well, it's almost like having a wife, <laughs> except we don't do each other's laundry. And our husbands think we're crazy, but it's worked out pretty well. There are times when we have to walk away, and I'll just say, I'm going to the golf course, and she'll say, I'm going to the lake. And, you know, we got to get away from each other. But, you know, it's a big, it's a lot of work. And how long, um, how long of a process um, I'm assuming that the first one probably took the longest, but I don't know that for sure. Dead took us five years. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of work. Anniversary was two. We got birthday done in one, and we'll get house done in less than a year. Mm -hmm. So it's And a does lot that of include work. the production time too? Yes. Okay. You had started to talk about um, the design. How is that? Did you contract that work out? Did you find a designer? We have a local designer who has done all the um, the covers for us. Oh, and who was that? Frank, that'd be Frank. Okay. And Do you want to say his last name? He, Fra case? Frank Addington. Uh -huh. He's awesome. But don't call him because he's really busy right now. With our <laughs> you um, keep him he's really on great. Yours. And he's also helped us immensely with the insight as well because what we end up sending him are basically typed up notes. And then he comes up with the design of, um, you know, the little graphics that he puts in so the baby the birthday book has all kinds of little graphics in it like tricycles and baby rattles and junk like that that's appropriate to each year the child for the child's birthday there aren't so many graphics in the dead book because we didn't want to put any coffins or anything like that <laughs> good but the point. quotes are really good in there right and, and you do have sections i think for each of them there, there are a lot of, um, like you said, it's a guided journal, so there's a lot of room for people to write, but there are certainly sections where you have blocks of text that you all are writing. Yes. Um, but the design, for, especially for something like this, I mean, design is always important. Usually for a regular book, it's important in as much as you don't notice it. Anytime design becomes noticeable, that's when it goes bad. That's when you know it's soured. But for a book like this... I would I would imagine that the design is very um, it has to be functional, but it also has to make the person want to pick this up and start writing in it. It has to be really welcoming, right? Really friendly. It can't be unwelcoming or unfriendly because then they just won't have anything to do with it, right? In fact, we've gotten so much enthusiasm for Dead in a spiral bound that it's actually available now in Spiral so that oh. you can open it out flat. Mm -hmm. And um, it seems like this is going to um, be the big winner. And we're bringing House out in the Spiral because it's just people want it. And there are live flat um, books, too. There's yeah, they're super expensive. Process. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, talk a little bit about that. So since you all were doing this yourself, 
was there a large outlay of money at the very beginning? Because you said you're selling boxes of books. So I'm, are, are these print on demand or are you buying large quantities and then you're bringing them around and selling them yourself to the groups that you're talking to? So we are technically print on demand. We use a printer in Nashville who is supported, who supports Amazon. So we're all the books are available on Amazon, and but they, it's not through Create Space. It is not through Create okay. Space. Um, and then, interestingly, I had an occasion to meet John Grisham, the very famous, very successful. How did author. you have the occasion to meet him? He was actually in. Kansas City for an event, and I was visiting with him in the green room, and um, I said probably to him, like a billion other people have said to him, I'm thinking about writing a book, and he said, great, do it, but don't sell it on Amazon right away, and I said, well, uh, how do you sell it, and he said, and he looked at me with this darling, charming face, and said, out of the trunk of your car, and I said, wait, what? And he said, do you remember A Time to Kill? And I said, yeah. I read it and the movie was good. And he said, I sold that out of the trunk of my car. Oh, boy. And I said, get out of town. And he said, trust me on this. He said, Amazon is a beast, and they will chew you up and spit you out. And he's right. And he said, just take your time, figure out the industry, and go for it. And so we did. So we just started selling them. Right. And you know, those financial advisors, they have these events constantly. You're getting steak dinner invitations in the mail all the time. And so I just called a buddy of mine and said, hey, have you guys ever given away a book? And he goes, yeah. And I said, we've got this really great book. And he said, are you fun? And I said, oh yeah, we're fun. Are you fun? <laughs> so we went and we just started doing it. Well, okay. So how does that work specifically? If you, if you're pitching this to a financial advisor, um, are they paying retail price for the books, or how does that all work? They are paying retail, mm -hmm. and um, we sell direct, so we don't have a middleman, so the margin is high. On Amazon, we don't even make a dollar a book on Amazon. Oh, boy. It's horrible. It's really horrible. They are beasts. Yeah. But you have to say you're on it. It's a good housekeeping seal of approval. And to get on is a real big deal. So we did it, and, and we don't sell a lot of books on Amazon. Right. We sell most of them off our website or out of the trunks of our car. People can go and actually order through your website yes. and get the copies of the books. Right. 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 So, um, and then when you go to, you know, you do an event, how many typically are you speaking to? Are they all different groups? Uh, all, all kinds of different groups. We, we won't travel unless they buy a hundred or more books. Um, and, and the books retail for what? Twenty nine ninety five. Okay. Dead is twenty nine ninety five. Now, uh, anniversary and hardback, and birthday and hardback are more expensive. Um, and then do you charge a speaker's price or we speaker's don't. fee? We just want to sell the books. Mm -hmm. We just want to change the world one book at a time. Um, but they they do pay our travel. And so and we have been all over the place. And it's been very, very interesting. So we just we just tell the story. I oftentimes yeah. tell that story about John Grisham because people ask us that. Right. And, um, so talk a little bit about how you're getting these gigs of going and speaking to, to people. Are you? We just call our friends, and then we sometimes we'll just do an event like Rotary, mm -hmm. where there'll be 100 people there, and there'll be five or six financial advisors or state planning lawyers. And for something like that, do there is somebody sponsoring it as well? Or like are the financial planners sponsoring and buying the no. books to give? No, no Rotary, Rotary will just have us to speak. Oh, okay. 
Or and then you sell the books out of the trunk of your car. And those we sell the books, yeah. and then somebody will come up and say, hey, I'd like to have you come and talk to my clients, mm -hmm. and then we'll sell 100 books. Mm -hmm. And so that happens a lot. Right. That happens. And that's why we do this kind of gig. So we're doing something in a couple of weeks for a group called Senior Awareness, and it's all these like-minded executives who work at all these uh, senior living mm -hmm. places. And... Um, there will, we'll probably get two or three clients out of it. We'll sell boxes of books because we explain to them and they have marketing needs and they've never seen the book and it's interesting and their clients are in the twilight of their lives and they're thinking about all the topics that are in our book. Right. So, so people who are just starting out um, doing, you know, books like this or the personal history books, you know, very often they want to go and get in front of groups and speak, especially with personal history, because so many people have no idea that you can hire somebody to write your memoirs for you, right? right? The need is there, but people don't necessarily know that there is um, somebody to meet the need. What would you, if people don't have connections, if they don't have friends that they are, you know, don't know which friends to call, what would be a good starting place if they want to get out and get in front of groups like the kinds of groups that you're talking about? Well, you're just going to have to go knock on the door. Just take a book. We've given away a lot of books. Mm -hmm. Any prospect that we think is legit, we give them a book. And In fact, I was talking to a woman this morning who's at a uh, senior living location, and she said, I gave my book to my boss. My boss took it home. She's filling it out with her husband. She loves it, and we want you guys to come and speak. And I said, okay. And she said, but I might need another book. And I said, okay. So you just, <laughs> you, just you just start. You right. just have to start. We've um, made some online um, brochures and emailed those around. But you, basically, you have to make sales calls. You either got to pick up the phone, or you got to go knock on the door. And do you have um, do you have an elevator speech? You have a pitch that you give people when you make those phone calls. We do, and w one of the things that we're doing now that I find fascinating, and it looks like it's going to have some legs, is um, HR departments in sort of medium-sized companies invest a lot of money in their employees, and they want to keep them. And so they're always trying to have a party or do something for them to help them feel loved by the employer. And so our, our books, we lovingly refer to as Match Anniversary. And the house book will be called Latch. And then the, the birthday book is Hatch. <laughs> and then the dead book is Dispatch. <laughs> so this, we have this series of books that we would like to sell employers. And as people in their company get married, have a baby, buy a house, or retire, they can hand them a book. That's great. So the, the, you have to be a little bit forward-thinking right. about what you're marketing. Because right. we've kind of nailed everybody who we know around Kansas City, and we've had to branch out to other cities. You know, retail has not been particularly good because the market is so bad because the middleman takes out the margin. Right. So when we're paying them to sell our book, there's no value in it. And if you enjoy the getting in front of groups and speaking, then why not do it, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you seem to have fun when you're doing it. Enjoyment is, you know, the travel can get a little tedious, but but we we really are committed to changing the world. Mm -hmm. and, and we know that it takes one book at a time. Right. So 
so we have enjoyed it. We we truly have enjoyed it, and and we're always trying to think of new ways. One of the bigger challenges that we've had actually is um, that when we sell a bunch of books, several boxes, a hundred, say to a bank, and the bank has us come and talk or not, they they are perfectly capable of doing them without us, which is wonderful. Also, um, we don't know who ends up with the book in their hands. We have no idea. And this is very troubling because, let's say, Facebook, for example, changes their policy about once a year on how to get a Facebook page closed after somebody dies. And right now you have to have a trustee. But in another couple of months, they may change the policy and it would be something different. So when something different happens, we'd love to be able to email. To notify the people that are filling these out, right? Yeah, from Ace Publishing about something in the dead book that needs, that's updated. Right. So that they know what the new Facebook policy is. And it could be a page that they could print and smash in the book, you know, whatever. We want to be able to be in touch with these people. So now we're probably, we're just getting ready to beta test a book club for Ace Publishing. So read this book club and you would join. So when the bank gives you your book, you're an attendee at the bank's event. And either we're participating in it or not. The, somebody says, by the way, if you'd like to join our book club, go to the website and we'll send you the book in a fillable format like a tax return. So you can have it on your desktop. So a PDF, so it would be an electronic version yeah, of the book? it would be a fillable mm-hmm. uh, document. And then a companion folder that you could put in, drag and drop documents and photos to go with it. So then you'd have this on your, read this on your, on your desktop, and then we'd be able to talk to you because we will have captured your email address. Right. So, and then if people want to buy the, do- the books in an in a, in electronic format, we're going to probably make that available, too. Which makes sense because if you are gathering so much, do- you know, practical, you know, insurance policy numbers and things like that it does make sense to to have an electronic format but it it makes just as much sense to have it in print because it, especially if the population if it's an older population that you know partially is using these books you know maybe they're not going to be on their computers as much and they're going to be more used to filling it out by hand not very many people want it in electronic yeah. but we need to be able to figure out how to way to talk to them so it's about the only way we're going to be able to capture that email right so that and, and so I assume when you're going you and I talked about this a little bit right before we started the interview how you you haven't really put too much effort yet into building your mailing list but it sounds like now you're that's the direction that you're trying to go if you go and speak to a group um, so like if you're if HR from a company brings you in do you ever ask for the contact information that you can just put them on your mailing list of the the various um, uh, employees, or do people not want to give that kind of information out? There, there's a very fine line, particularly with the legal, financial, banking industries. There, there's a very fine line about revealing this information about their clients. So, as a general rule, we just haven't gone there. Occasionally, we'll have a form when they check in to fill it out. And it hasn't been very popular. So, oh, I've had that even talking to writers groups, and and the you know the the head of the president of the writers group doesn't want to give the emails when I have 
things that I want to give them after the, after the fact. There's a tremendous amount of resistance to that, so we really haven't pushed it. But I think because we'll be able to do the book club, maybe that'll work out. Um, and as soon as, yeah, when we first started talking and you were talking about the women in Nashville, that was my first thought. Like, what a great idea to have to promote the idea of book clubs to for people to fill these out together. Together. And right? ideally, we would have a forum so people who could, An they could talk, yeah, talk mm-hmm. among themselves. Mm-hmm. About or a Facebook it. community. That's what, Maybe. you know, the Facebook community is, and you can do closed communities, too. Those are really, really on fire right now. So we're basically going to become a technology company if we don't, if we don't pay attention. And who's helping you with that part? Are, are well, you all, all kinds very of tech different savvy? people? No, we're not tech savvy, but we're clever and we know what we want, and so we just have to find people who will do it the way we want it. And we have been very, very diligent in getting what we want because we were clear on we wanted this anniversary book in Tiffany blue because it's such a wedding color. And it's a Pantone color, as it turns out. So we were very specific about that, and it's gotten so much great Yeah, even the feel of the covers You know, this is that new soft cover stuff Uh that's really fabulous. Yeah, it is. It does feel good. And even though, you know, everybody has a Kindle, my teenage, or my 21-year-old daughter was telling me that people her age, they're buying books. You know, they're buying real books. They are? they very much so are. And I don't know if it's because it's considered retro or if it's just that, you know, it's handier to have a paperback if you're in college. But, um, you know, I've always, I have a Kindle and I hardly ever use it. I, I like the feel of paper. I like the smell. You know, I'm a book sniffer. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much. And why don't you tell, actually, before we close, give me a couple of the ideas that you might or might not pursue for um, the, what would be the, Next title, yes. Well, some of the recommendations are getting kids ready to go to college, and all of that because there's so much drama when the kids leave. Mm, the house. I know that I have one going away to college on Friday. Yes, it's so so. I'm and I, we're not sure how we fill that out. Not not exactly sure how we do that. Well, you and I can get together on that because I have one going off to college. Well, two are leaving for college on Friday, and I have a high school senior, so I've got it back to back. One of the things I've got some ideas. One that we really are very, very interested in is movies you've watched, books you've read, um, uh, music you love, that sort of thing. Because you can't really keep track of all that junk in your head. Well, and also, you know, there's even like taking notes. Um, what I just heard this quote recently: the um, um, knowledge without application has the same end as ignorance. So you're reading these great books, whether they're fiction, which is, you know, what I love to read, or nonfiction or self-help, whatever kind of, you know, biographies, you're, you're accumulating all of this information, um, but it dissipates really quickly if you don't do something with it. And that first something is usually writing it down. So I think that's a, I think that's a great idea. And you could put it all together. So it would mm-hmm. just be different sections of the book right. so that you could just try to remember if you watched a certain movie and how you liked right. it. You could have your own little ratings. As, as opposed to my mother, who back when I was a kid, and she would read the bodice rippers from the grocery store, and she we would go to the grocery store, and she'd hold one up, and she'd say, did, did I read this, girls? Because <laughs> she could never remember. That's right. So that's one that I, I'm particularly interested in, because I struggle with that. And I... I'm, I think it's common. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, things... We're just trying to fill gaps here, and just kind of capture what's on people's hearts. Yeah. Well, it sounds great. You've got a mission, and you're going at it 
you. Full force. I love that. Can you tell everybody where they can find you and the, the books that you're selling? Sure. The easiest way is to go to our website, readthis.guru, and um, you can buy the books there. Read this. Dot, dot guru guru oh that's the it's not dot com nope. after that dot oh, guru boy. okay yeah there are a whole bunch of new dot right I, I hadn't heard that one whatever the word is um, so we are dot gurus and we really feel like we are gurus of of guided journals mm-hmm. I mean we know an awful lot now about how to uh, tap into what people are feeling and thinking. Okay, it's kind of fun. So if they want to buy the book or if they want to contact you, read this dot guru. Right, and there's contact on there. There's a little bit of information about our up-and-coming book club, and then there's information about all the books. There's lots of, uh, there are lots of pictures and um, events we've been in and just some silly stuff on there. So Wonderful. It's really fun. Well, thank you, Annie. I appreciate Amy, this. Amy, thank you. I've had a lot of fun. Good. Okay, well, good luck with the future books. And that does it for our talk with Annie Presley. I hope you enjoyed it. We as personal historians don't have to reinvent everything ourselves. Yes, we work in a fairly new field, but we can draw inspiration from all kinds of other people working in other fields. So I hope you've gotten some good ideas to apply to your own business from today's talk. And if you have and you'd like to share, head on over to the website, thelifestorycoach.com and leave them in the comments for today's show. That's where you can also find the show notes for our talk with Annie, including links to all of the things that we mentioned and to Annie's books. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend or tell many by leaving a review on iTunes. Until next time, happy writing. You've been listening to the Life Story Coach Podcast.